This episode of Tales from the Backlog is brought to you by the wonderful people over at patreon.com slash real Dave Jackson. Some personal heroes of mine, such as Chris Nelson, the top three podcast crew, Zul Geek, Colby Moyer, Eric Guess, Rick Firestone, Jill, Kieran, ZNA, Gilmer, Mikey Tabletop, Cupcake, and Kyle have all gone to patreon.com slash real Dave Jackson. Kick me a few bucks to support what we're doing here, and I appreciate them very much. If you're listening want to be like them, you can head to patreon.com slash real Dave Jackson. A few bucks a month gets you some cool podcast-related treats, as well as my undying love and respect. All right, on to the show. Hey everybody, my name is Dave Jackson and you're listening to Tales from the Backlog. This is a video games review podcast where each week I'm joined by a guest to talk about a game we played. My guest today is a friend of the show, co-host of the Everlasting List Off podcast and professional axe thrower, Ryan Yingling. Welcome back to the show, Ryan. Hey Dave, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Uh, today... We're going to talk about God of War Ragnarok, but before we do, I want to kick it to you to explain to everybody what Listoff is. This is not your first time on this show, so longtime listeners uh, will know what Listoff is all about. And by the time this episode airs, Listoff will have concluded. But I still want to direct people there because I still think it's a podcast that's worth everybody's time. So Ryan, what is Listoff? So uh, at Listoff, we make lists about video games. Uh, we did weekly episodes for about two and a half years, and towards the end, we switched to bi-weekly, uh, meaning every two weeks, not mm-hmm. twice a week. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, we have a, a hearty backlog you, you can feel free to check out. But uh, as Dave mentioned, we are no longer uh, producing content. But uh, we had a good run, man. I had a great time doing yeah. it. You know? yeah, yeah, you did. Um, and that's that's why I'm still bringing it up because you guys made a really good show, something you guys should feel proud of. And uh, I still want to direct people to go listen because uh, those lists were a lot of fun to listen to. And um, I think that anyone listening to the show, if you love video games, you're gonna love List Off. What's not to like? Video game lists. Hell yeah! Appreciate that, man. Definitely yeah. appreciate it. So. Um, Ryan, you've been a guest on a couple episodes before. You were on Death's Door uh, with your co-host, Brian. And then uh, you and I did Elden Ring uh, last summer, which um, Elden Ring and now God of War Ragnarok. I know. The two, like, game, <laughs> the two game of the year heavyweights from 2022. Right. I must have done something right, dude. I don't yeah. know. I feel so, honored that you would ask me to be on both of those, uh, these monumental episodes. Yeah. Yeah, man. So like whatever it is for 2023, I guess, I guess you're being typecast. This is what's happening now. That's all right. I don't mind. <laughs> I don't mind. So like I said, today's game is God of War Ragnarok, which is a third person action game developed by Sony Santa Monica and published by Sony in 2022, a direct sequel to the God of War reboot from the year 2018. And a quick little explainer elevator pitch, if you don't know what God of War Ragnarok is, um, I'm going to pitch it to you as, hey, listener, if you liked God of War 2018, 
This is the sequel, a direct sequel, and there's not much more that needs to be said. If you like 2018, you're probably going to like this. Um, Ryan, how about you? I think that's really accurate. Uh, my elevator pitch is slightly different. It's just that uh, Ragnarok is the sequel to God of War 2018 in nearly every way with a few surprising gameplay tweaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, speaking of surprises, the spoiler policy for this episode uh, gets a little bit tricky because this is a direct sequel to 2018. So when I do the story setup for this game, I am going to talk about what happens at the end of God of War 2018. It's I mean, it's integral to the way this game begins. Um, if that is something that's going to bother you, listener, stop listening. Go play 2018. It's a good game. I think you'll like it. And then come back and listen. Podcasts are uh, eternal as long as the ser- the servers are still up, right? So Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, but that being said, we're not going to spoil uh, plot details from God of War Ragnarok until the spoiler section. So if you have not played it yet... Uh, keep an eye in the show notes. There will be a timestamp for you for when to stop listening. So getting into some personal histories with the God of War series, and then this game in particular, uh, Ryan, did you play God of War back on the PlayStation uh, 2? Um, where did you come into the series? And then what made you want to play this game? So I did play prior God of War games. I started with God of War 2, and uh, I went back and played God of War 1 after having played 2. And both of them are just... I remember being spectacles in gaming, and they did new things. Looking back, some of those things didn't age as well as others. (laughs) But uh, I, I actually skipped... Uh, God of War 3, which I hear really, really good things about. And I mm-hmm. I may go back and entertain a playthrough of that because I do feel like it's kind of a blind spot in my personal gaming history, but um, fell off after playing 2 and then 1 and uh, picked it back up when 2018 came out. But even that, I didn't get immediately. I got a few years after release because uh, you know it generated so much buzz and so many people were saying so many good things about it. And God of War didn't seem like the type of game that would appeal to current Ryan. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of avoided it and um, gave it a shot a few years after release. And man, I'm glad I did. Uh, 2018 yeah. was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. that That's pretty similar to me. So I remember my roommate, my freshman year in college had a PS2 and he had God of War, the original one. And I remember probably like drinking beers with him in the dorm room, watching Mm -hmm. him play it, just being like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like, like you said, the spectacle of it was like amazing. I was used to playing the GameCube, I guess at that time or the original Xbox stuff that didn't have the spectacle of the first God of war game. Uh, But I never owned a PS2 or a PS3. So like I played God of war, you know, when it was my turn to use the PS2 in the dorm, but that's it. Um, I, I don't think I played God of War 2, definitely didn't play God of War 3. Um, although you're right, it's it's one of those games that like, I think it's in that collection. If you have a PS5, you can just play it for free. So like, oh, cool. I probably should go back and play it. I think it's in that, uh, that PS like, Plus PS collection. Plus, yeah, right, right. Yeah. So um, I was kind of like you. Uh, and then when this game came out, I didn't have a PS4. I didn't hear about it coming out. I wasn't really plugged into what was going on in games. Um, and then when I got uh, the PS4 in like 2019 or something like that, I, I've said it so many times, I got a PS4, I Googled top 10 best PS4 games <laughs> right. and new God of War. And I was like, oh, okay, 
new guy. I didn't know it was like a reboot, more serious, you know, uh-huh. Kratos is a father. I didn't know any of that. I was just like, oh, new God of War. Why not? So um, I played that. Fucking love that game. Loved yeah. it so much. Uh, so Ragnarok was an easy like day one buy. I don't buy a ton of games on day one. Ragnarok was like, I drove to GameStop after work to pick it up <laughs> on day one like that. I was very excited for this. This game took me about 35 hours. So if you uh, people are wondering how long it took, I feel like I did a decent amount of side content, though certainly not all of it, not close to all of it. Um, but I did side quests when I found them, etc. Um, how about you? What was your playtime like? Definitely closer to 25 hours. I want to say I came in a little bit under 25 as well. Okay. Um, I did maybe one side quest. Uh, I really, really avoided them. Uh, I just okay. wanted to main, <laughs> mainline the story. You know, it's unfortunate that we do live in a world where spoilers are so prevalent. And uh, yeah. I wanted to experience it organically without spoilers taking place. So um, I really focused on the main story during gotcha. my playthrough. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what did you think about Ragnarok? Getting into some opening thoughts here. Man, I don't know. Uh, I shouldn't give away (laughs) my feelings on the game yet, but uh, it definitely felt familiar, uh, especially Mm -hmm. in the early game. I think, uh, to be vague, it does eventually ramp up to, you know, uh, a tighter story, a more interesting story and events. Uh, But I think it takes some time getting there, Uh, I, I think it uh, it does try to live up to its predecessor, and we'll see whether or not it succeeds. But uh, it's a tough game to live up to. As we <laughs> mentioned, 2018 was so good that uh, it's really difficult to try to replicate that. Yeah, and, and this is an interesting kind of sequel, right? This is a this is as direct a sequel for a video game as you will ever see. I feel mm-hmm. like yeah. lots of video game sequels, you know. Dark Souls to Dark Souls 2, or uh, God of War to God of War 2, back on the right. PS2. Right. It's not as direct as this. So um, a lot of games, like when sequels come out, they, like they, of course they need to live up to the game that came before, but this is like, you know, the two towers coming out after the Fellowship of the Ring. You know, you got to live up to and surpass a really great thing that you are directly continuing, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't think that this game got there, though I did have a, a lot of fun playing it. So we'll get into where I think it fell short, but kind of at the opening here, I think this is a really, really well-made game. A lot of fun. No question about that. Yeah. And yeah, and they, they set themselves up with an impossible bar to reach, I think, and I'm just not sure that it got there. But we're going to dig into that after this music break. So in God of War Ragnarok, you're picking up from the events of God of War 2018. Uh, Like God of War 2018 was season one of a TV show. God of War Ragnarok starts with episode one of season two. It it is is so similar to that. So 
Uh, to answer your question, listener, if you are going to ask this, yes, you you should play God of War 2018 beforehand. You with me there, Ryan? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's necessary to play God of War 2018 before this. Yeah. yeah. There are going to be things that happen in the story in the first 15 minutes where if you didn't play God of War 2018, you're going to be like, why is Freya so angry? Why are Thor, why is Thor showing up at the doorstep? Like, mm-hmm, what right. what is the reason for all of this? And it's because of things that happened at the end of God of War 2018. So yeah, do play that uh, before this. So Kratos and Atreus, his son, um, have been laying low after the events uh, at the end of 2018. Um, Freya has unleashed her godly rage against them. Kratos had a run-in with Thor at the end of 2018. And so Kratos and Atreus, are they're hanging out. They're chilling. They have like protective magical wards protecting their house. Every time they venture outside is a, uh, a risk that they're taking. Um, and this, this pops off really, really quickly. And the, the first couple hours of this game, I thought were really excellent at like wrapping up the cliffhangers from 2018 and then kind of pushing things in motion here, specifically the scene where Thor and Odin come to the house mm-hmm. and they have a, uh, what I think is like a prestige TV level uh, dialogue. I really, really enjoy how this begins. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think the dialogue is definitely there. I think the pacing in the in this specifically the first hour is mm-hmm. is really good. Uh, it does slow down a bit after that, but um, yeah, yeah, a lot occurs to get you caught up to. You know, I, I think at this point a few years have passed, but this is like everything happening all at once, uh, and we're there to see it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Great performances, but uh, and and the the dialogue is there. Odin threw me off. I'm not gonna lie. Like, you think so? Personally, me personally, it is like not what I expected. But is that, it because felt, you watched um, the West Wing or something no, like that? No, no, no. I no? wasn't a big I wasn't a big West Wing fan. Um, okay, but uh, the voice to me, it took me a little while to warm up to it. Uh, it did uh-huh. end up being a great performance, I think. But yeah, I, I will say that it was not the voice that I expected to come out of Odin. But mm-hmm. I, I do think there. His, his name's Richard Schiff, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, he did a great job. And um, we talk about this kind of prestige TV level dialogue scene between Kratos, Thor, and Odin. It's a good time to just shout out the voice acting and the motion capture performances uh, by these actors. Uh, Christopher Judge won Best Performance at the Game Award. I think it was well-deserved. Um, he acted his ass off, I think. Um, the voice acting is excellent from him. Um Freya, I, I'm sorry, I did not write down these voice actors' names. Bad podcast host. Uh, the actors for Freya, Thor, Odin, and Atreus, I all thought were excellent across the board, especially Thor. I love the portrayal of Thor in this game. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. I, I agree with Christopher Judge, though. Um, he There were scenes, and he's among phenomenal actors and there were scenes where he put them to shame and mm-hmm. uh that's not an easy task i did yeah. want to say if you're talking about uh motion capture the the I, I don't think i can't i have a hard time thinking of another game that does it as well as god of war 2018 and this uh mm-hmm. just the facial expressions and yeah everything conveys so much emotion and it's the movement is so natural that uh it's really something to, to see yeah, it is for sure. Um, I also like how 
in in God of War 2018, you saw Thor from behind. You didn't mm-hmm. see any like characterization of him or anything like that. It's just a quick like stinger with Thor. Um, I liked how this took Thor back more along the lines of the mythology, uh, from mm-hmm. what I understand, as opposed to Thor as we've seen him in Marvel stuff over the right. last uh, ten or fifteen years. And I thought that was an excellent choice by them. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, he uh, he has like a biker kind of uh, vibe to him, but uh, mm-hmm. it's played it's played really well, and he's physically imposing. Not because he's like sexy Chris Hemsworth Thor built, because he is just like an immensely large man. Yeah, he is built like a brick shit house, as yeah. they say. He's yeah. a giant dude. Um, Thor in the mythology and Odin too. They are. Uh, dangerous, unpredictable characters. Um, and they really nailed that, I thought, uh, in this game throughout. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, Kratos and Atreus find themselves in danger yet again, and they are off to, uh, number one, find a new safe place to live, and then um, Thimble Winter has begun, uh, which is the, the long winter leading up to Ragnarok, which is the, you know, the catastrophic event um, battle between Asgard and the rest of the realms, um, if I'm remembering right. So that's coming, and they have to figure out how or if they're going to deal with that too. So you mentioned the pacing of the story earlier, and I think this kind of uncertain thing in the distance is part of the reason that the pacing suffers a little bit compared to the previous game, where the previous game was so laser focused on the one quest to take. Mm. Kratos's mom's ashes to the top of the mountain. There's the singular Atreus's mom. Yeah. Um, The singular quest, the entire game, Mm -hmm. always in mind. And in this game, you spend a lot of time not exactly knowing what's coming. Um, And so it feels like you do get a little bit um, unfocused at times. Uh, They do reel it in. Um, I really like how this game ended, but um, kind of the middle part was a felt a little shaky to me in some ways. I would agree with that. It seems a little lost, like they uh, didn't quite know what the end goal was, right? Because, mm-hmm. um, gosh, I don't want to, I don't want to dip too hard into spoilers, but they deal with a few different tasks and like an unwillingness to fall into certain events occurring, right? Mm-hmm. Yet. It almost the way it's portrayed and the way it comes across, the way it's written, is like I don't like. It, it seems as though these things are unavoidable, so they're just. It seems wishy washy that they're even attempting to make it, you know, make it seem like there's a way around certain things occurring, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, that's very vague. I'm sorry, dude. Yeah, but, no, uh, yeah, you, you're yeah, good. Like, there's be. a I have to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a definite focus on uh, the idea of prophecy versus free will mm-hmm. uh, for both Kratos and Atreus in this game. And then um, identity, like who they are and their nature and whether they can uh, buck those as well too. So there is a really big kind of focus on both of them trying to like carve their own path if if that's the direction that they want to go in. And so they kind of do some things to explore that in the middle part of the game uh, before the big climax. But there were lots of times where I forgot why I'm doing the thing that I'm doing um, in some of the main quests in the middle of the game, which never happened in God of War 2018. I, I feel like I should not be 
comparing so much to 2018. It's just, this is the, this is the path that they chose uh, to mm-hmm. do such a direct continuation. That's almost unavoidable, I think. And I also feel like there were choices made in that middle section by characters that didn't necessarily track. You know, it's like, even as a player, you're thinking, why would you choose to go there or do that? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense. But it felt like, oh, this is just a plot device to keep the plot moving in like the direction we want it to go in for the next hour or two before we shift to something else. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it didn't service the story. Like you said, 2018 was laser focused and it definitely didn't run into these kind of pitfalls along the way because of that. Yeah. A a lot more kind of common basic storytelling tropes. Like there's more MacGuffins in this game Mm. to go pick up. Uh, There are more characters with this drives me fucking crazy, but the characters that are withholding information from each other, for no mm. real reason. They're just well, they're doing stubborn, it. Dave. They're stubborn. Yeah. Don't you get it? No, they're I know. Very, they're yeah. stubborn. And then when the other person gets mad, they're just like, no, you, I can't, you got to trust me. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it was just a little bit much at times. It felt very, um, shallow sometimes yeah, in that way. Like 2018 was so believable because people operated, like it was written in a way where the characters operated in believable ways. And like you're saying, it wouldn't be believable that they would withhold – there's some major information that people are withholding from each Mm -hmm. other. And it just doesn't make sense because, like, we took that journey in 2018. You know, Kratos and Atreus overcame these humps, these bumps in the road. And it wouldn't make sense for them to be there, but only in parts of this story, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. When it's convenient. Kratos right, and Atreus exactly. remember the lessons that they learned at the exactly. end of the last game. Exactly. But when it's when they need something to happen in the plot, guess what? We're withholding stuff again. So mm-hmm. um, another just thing I had in my head, especially during the middle section of the game, is that God of War 2018 set up a tone. It's a very somber game. There's comic relief from Brock and Sindri and Medir, Mimir. Madeir is a yeah. Dark Souls boss. Mimir. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that's on my brain. Um, anyway. Why would Dark Souls be on your brain? Yeah, it's exactly. Like always okay. on your brain. You're right. Dave. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, <laughs> so there was a tone that was set up that was very, um, that was very somber. This is, this is not a world where like, I, I felt like this is not a world where people are like having fun and joking with each other all the time, mm. unless it was kind of, in their character. And I thought that the characters that were set up in the previous game continued that tone in Ragnarok. And then all the new characters that were introduced really felt to me like they were plucked out of Thor Ragnarok, the Marvel movie, where everyone's sarcastic and everyone's joking and everyone's quippy and snarky and everyone is fine and they don't really have problems. And if they do have problems, it's fine. We're going to joke about it constantly. And this, I felt like clashed with the tone of this world that was set up. And it led to a lot of eye rolls from me when I was playing a lot of characters that are supposed to be funny, but they were annoying. I just like this game had a different director from the previous game. Corey Barlog didn't direct this game. Um, He was involved, but was not the one making the decisions. And I, I really feel like they shifted 
And I'm comparing this to the MCU because the MCU made this change. And I feel like it kicked off like a long string of success for them, making their characters more likable. I think this game tried and it was a big miss with me. Yeah, I mean, you run into people who are actively struggling against Odin's oppression and like having a real tough go of it, have like mm-hmm. suffered loss, and not a single one of them is a downer. Like, not a single one of them seems to be infe- affected in any way. And uh, I do, I do think some of it came from Atreus as well. He's uh, he's less whiny. Uh, yeah. in this game and like a little more playful. And I think that makes sense for like the age that he is. And also it's, I, that was welcome to me for that character. Uh, whiny Atreus was not my favorite. Uh, <laughs> so I'm glad they did step away from that, but yeah, no, every, every side character doesn't have to have that attitude. Um, for the most part, I was, I was fine with it for the vast majority of the game, but mm-hmm. there were definitely moments where it was like, oh man, it's a little cringy, you know? Yeah. That was a mm-hmm. little bit too far. Yeah. So this is, this is the first thing I'm going to bring up that I feel like clashes with, um, this tone that I thought was so good. Yeah. For lack of a better word in, in the first game. Um, a lot of these characters, the, the comic relief and all the jokes and the quips, it just it didn't feel like it fit and it was subtractive to my experience uh with this but i i've talked to lots of people about this i'm like some people agree a lot of people don't that's fine and i'm happy that like you know if you play this game and you enjoy that and it leads to you having a a more fun experience with this world and these characters that's cool like kratos has some jokes in this game too and they made me laugh like i'm not saying this is a complete 0% success rate Uh, It just, um, there were lots of times where I was like, fuck another one of these sarcastic Mm. quippy characters, you know? Right. Right. No, I mean, (laughs) I'm, I I don't like a hundred percent. Like it's a common complaint that the MCU gets too, right? They'll do something with real emotional weight to it. And, and those movies also are extremely well filmed and written. And like, they have the score set up. They are manufactured to make you feel an emotion. So mm-hmm. the moment you're you're feeling this like sorrow, they do undercut it with like a one-liner, right? Or yeah. some like some quip. And um this 100% did the same thing and it's interesting because this had less of an emotional effect on me than 2018 did. Ragnarok had less mm-hmm. of a, an emotional effect and I couldn't quite put my finger on why. Uh, so it may, it may have very well played a role in that for me as well. Um, but for whatever reason, it's just not as effective in, in my eyes. Yeah. And like, I I feel like I've just complained for about 10 minutes straight about (laughs) stuff that I didn't like about the story. And at the end of the day, I think that the story they told is, is pretty good. Um, and like I said, at the beginning, I thought they wrapped up the story and like wrapped up the 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 a plots pretty mm-hmm. well and some of the spectacle and some of the the set pieces and conversations and um character interactions toward the end of the game when it, it's go time it's time to wrap it up time to conclude i thought a lot of that was really good like i really liked the ending of this game mm-hmm. um, it's just the middle section that we've talked to, and when i say middle section i'm talking like 25 hours of game here really dragged in places and it was mostly gameplay that kept me playing rather than 
like being super invested in the story all the time. Wow. See, I would probably say, I, you know, my entire playthrough was 25 hours. So yeah. for me, it was more like five to 10 hours that suffered. Um, mm -hmm. I, I agree about the ending, but even then you still have these quips, right? You still have these parts that um, are, it's about the laughs. Whereas the, the, the whole, and there's a specific point where like it flips the switch into like the end game and from that moment on, it this game is super dope. Like yeah. it is yeah. just insanely good. Yeah. Uh, but it does still have those like little, you know, quippy MCU lines thrown in there that uh, seem out of place. Like somebody's about to like, you know, do something heroic, and they like jokey jokey about it when like people are dying in droves. You know, it's like <laughs> uh, maybe not the best yeah. move, but yeah, yeah. And it's like if this were a different franchise if this were following up a different game it maybe it wouldn't have been such an issue like i don't have an issue with games being funny or people um i don't have an issue with black humor or like attempting levity during tough situations but this feels like it kind of goes against what was established uh, beforehand mm -hmm. and i think that it suffers a bit but despite complaints like I said, I, I do think that the story does some cool things, um, touches on some really um, emotional things between some of the characters. It achieves a lot of the things that I think it wanted to with like the themes that it wants to explore. But in the meantime, like between those, you know, those touching conversations or those huge, you know, God of War set pieces or whatever, a lot of, a lot of eye rolls, you know, <laughs> so yeah. that's all I'll say about that. Yeah. For now, uh, one more thing about the story is uh, Ryan. You said you didn't do a whole lot of side quests, correct? So, I will just say I thought that the story in the side quests were really good for most of them, and the thing that I was missing—these quiet conversations, touching moments, and things like that—there were a lot of them in side quests, especially quests where it's just Kratos and Atreus out mm -hmm. doing stuff talking to each other about what's happening stuff that kind of takes a back seat in the main quest is explored in side quests i thought those were quality so i did a lot of side quests whenever i picked up one and i could tell you know this isn't like uh go kill 60 ravens side <laughs> quest right it's one of the um someone has a problem lets us two go try and solve it those type of things i did all of them that i found yeah, the one that I did, you know, uh, take part in, you find out a lot about a, a character's history. And it's something mm -hmm. that, like, you could have played through the game and not discovered. So I could definitely see how that would be. Um, I know we're going to move on. I do want to say I like the exploration of uh, Atreus as a character real quick. I think yeah. it's it's cool that we got to kind of see him want to find out more about himself. And uh, yeah. they definitely do a good job of exploring that. Yeah, Atreus... Uh, dealing with, you know, things that, like he learned that he was a god in mm -hmm. 2018, and not only a god, a very important god. And he did not handle that very well for most of 2018, right? Um, you're right. This game does a really good job of him exploring what does this mean? What is required of me? Because this is a, a world and a mythology that's full of prophecies and things like mm -hmm. that. So, where is my place in all of this story? I, I really enjoyed that stuff too. Yeah. yeah.
So along the lines of the story, this game is a very like cinematically presented game. Lots of cutscenes, lots of conversations, um, whether it's in an actual cutscene or whether it's, you know, we're rowing the boat and we're going to have a little yeah. conversation type of stuff. I, I still like that they do that, uh, trying to fill that time. Um, there was there were a lot of times in this game where I would actually not a lot, most of them where I'd be rowing the boat or on the dog sled or something like that. And they'd start up a conversation and I would get to the place where I was going before the conversation ended. So Mimir or someone would always just be like, well, let's put a pin in that. We'll pick it back up later. And then they'll get back in. They'd be like, so you were talking about, you know, the giant who built the wall. And then I would get to the next place and they'd be like, oh, well, put a pin in it again. We'll we'll try and finish the story next time. It happened a lot, but I, I I like the attempt to fill that that empty space with world building and, and stuff like that. Yeah. It, it was pretty incredible because they do pick up right where they left off every yeah. time, like without <laughs> fail. So that was cool. Uh, I, mm, so 2018, maybe I'm misremembering. I don't remember it being as constant. Like this is not a quiet game. Someone is talking all the time. That's in true. Ragnarok, yeah. And it's like, you don't even have a moment to kind of just like, sled around the environment without somebody saying something to you or you know the characters talking in some way and it didn't need a ton of peace and quiet but it would have been nice if the dialogue was a little more sparse i think there's a gameplay thing that i'm going to bring this up again but lots of times when something serious happens in the story it would be nice to have a moment you're right it sounds like I'm just crapping on this game, dude. No, like, like it's all really good stuff that they're talking this, about. This but. is what happens when you have something that's made with such a quality, because like we're we're into visuals and presentation and things like that. Now this is so well done. We already mm-hmm. talked about the the motion capture and the facial capture, the the storytelling, the voice acting, all of that stuff is so well done that it brings it up to a standard where you expect a certain level of, of quality and, um, you know, consistency where when something like that does happen, it it might draw you out of the experience in a way that like, if the voice acting or the, you know, motion capture sucked, you wouldn't Mm -hmm. notice. Or like if the story moments didn't hit as hard as they do, sometimes you might not even have this to even think about. Especially when people who I would assume have similar levels of expectation you know, prior to me getting my hands on it are giving the game like tens Mm -hmm. and you know, it's getting like the highest reviews ever. And it's like, okay, it lives up to the expectations. So I I feel like I went in with even more expectations than I had built up from playing 2018. If you had taken all the complaints that I just said, and it was another game, like I probably wouldn't be complaining about these things. So you're absolutely right. Like it set the bar really, really high for itself. Yeah. This game's held to a really high standard and that's partly on them for attempting what they're attempting and spending as much money as they did to, to do all of these things. And I applaud them for it. But when you're trying to follow up something that I think was like singularly great, like God of War 2018, one of the best games from that generation, hands Mm -hmm. down, in my opinion, it's a tough act to follow and it's it's not all wins. And those, those losses do stick out a bit more in comparison, I think. Um, but back to the presentation, which I think is great cutscenes, spectacle, uh, the way this game looks, this is an incredible looking game. There's been some, 
I don't know if this is real criticism or Twitter people criticism, but people saying like, it doesn't look that much better than 2018 did. I'm like, 2018 looked fucking awesome. How much better could it look? Like this game's super colorful too, yeah. like lots of environments. I mean, I never like went somewhere and was like, this looks awful. This, this area right. everywhere looked great. Yeah, very varied environments, a lot of varied environments. Um, I did play the PS5 upgrade of 2018, so this is that. Like it, mm, is it's it? that. Yeah. But I think the environments in this is where it shines. You do go to new places, and um, yeah, it was. It's a gorgeous game. I mean, it, and you know, on a PS5, it moves at 60 frames per second, so there is like not a flaw in sight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a bunch of small touches that I I like to play with and check. Um, early in the game, you're in the snow, uh, the snow moves right. as you move through the snow. Like I, I don't know what was, I need to go check, but I, I must've been playing like a bunch of older games or something. And so when I turned this on and saw like the snow move and like form footprints and all that stuff, I was like, Whoa, that's yeah. cool. Um, and anytime someone gets a game or anything can get me to do that, it's good. <laughs> how many, how many uh, pumpkins did you smash? I forgot to smash pumpkins um, until you brought up that you could. And then the next pumpkin I saw, I was like, oh, you're going down. <laughs> you're mine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm right. Um, stuff like that, smashing the pumpkins. Um, if you throw your axe into something made of wood, it'll leave a, um, a cut in the wood when you call your axe back. Stuff like that. Attention to detail. It's, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah, absolutely. It uh, does a good job with that for sure. One uh, visual thing that I also want to applaud them for is I think that what they did with Kratos and the way that he looks um, is kind of subtle, but he looks old in this game and not like old as in like, you know, last gen PS3, he does, not <laughs> right. like that. He's really like polygonal. It's yeah. weird. <laughs> it's weird. He looks like Snake in Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> right. no. um, he looks aged. Uh, he looks tired and that little attention to detail I think is like really well realized. And when you, you get some close-ups on his face in some kind of key dramatic moments, you're like, Oh, he, he, he may be a God, but he's, he's getting up there. Yeah. Fimble winter has been hard on him. Yeah. You know, he, uh, <laughs> <It> was... <laughs> he's not doing it, man. Lots of shoveling, I guess. Yeah. Uh, that was, um, I like that was Mimir's explanation for why you reset your skills at the beginning of the game. Mimir was like, oh, Fimble Winter's been hard on all of us. It's a shame it, it took away all your magic, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I didn't even catch that. That's funny. Um, yeah. but it's interesting because, uh, you know, a lot of the game you are staring at Kratos's back, right? Yeah. And yeah. I couldn't help but think like there was like, it's so it's such a weird thing to say, like to notice, but his skin looked like it had a sag to it. You know, in mm. 2018, I remember him being like ripped. You know, mm -hmm. and this is like m more like Arnold Schwarzenegger at 60 than Arnold Schwarzenegger at 40, <laughs> right? Uh <-huh. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a nice little subtle detail. Um, I think they did a great job. What did you think of the uh, music and the soundtrack in this? So I like Bear McCreary. I think he does great work. I noticed it. There were a few times where you notice the soundtrack. It is uh, really beautifully scored. It does a lot of good play on the 2018 soundtrack. Like it plays with the themes and tones of that one, which mm -hmm. was cool. You know, a lot of chanting and uh, orchestrated music. And I can't help but feel like sometimes that's just like, 
I, I have started tuning that sort of thing out because it's like, oh, here is big orchestrated video game music again. And um, it's a terrible thing to, to say because I know a lot of people praise this soundtrack. but uh, And it did some cool things. Like, there were times it stood out. But there's also a lot of times where it's like, I don't know, I feel like it could have been a little more unique uh, to set itself apart from other games. And I, I'm not, look, I, I don't, I'm not like a composer in any way. So mm-hmm. take my opinion for a grain with a grain of salt. But uh, I just see these big AAA games, like, you know, what you kind of have an idea of what you're going to get as far as the sound goes with the soundtrack, right? Yeah, uh, this, this is a AAA cinematic score and mm-hmm. it's well done. Like you said, um, the music accentuates a lot of like really big, powerful moments in the story. But until I started listening to the soundtrack in the last couple of days to like get my mind back in God of War mode, I had forgotten what the main theme of this game sounded like. Uh, so it's really good in context. I don't know that I will ever sit down at work and listen to the God of War Ragnarok soundtrack. And that's, you know, they built a, they tailor made a soundtrack to things that are going on in this game, right? Mm. So it's not like a huge criticism to say I'm not going to remember or listen to this again, but something I value in video game soundtracks, uh, a lot of soundtracks that I praise is, you know, making an impression on me in that way. And it was like the big moment, the music is great, or like the quiet moment, the music is reserved. It's, you know, it fits. And then it's the scene is over and I don't remember what the music was like. Maybe I was focusing on something else, but just the way I kind of experienced this, you know? I will say I do really enjoy that Kratos theme, like those three notes, right? Where it's like, bah, bah, yeah. yeah. And I dig the super, like super bass uh, vocals in that. Uh, Cause I always wish that I could do that. I was always (laughs) trying to hit those Johnny cash low notes and I never could. Yeah. You don't want to hear me sing Dave. So we'll, (laughs) we'll spare the audience of that. Yeah. One of the, uh, one of you, you said you were wishing for quiet more in the game. And I, I agree with you from the dialogue, the music takes a backseat in most of those moments when you're out exploring, there might be a little bit of uh, melody here and there, but that's when you get a lot of the quiet. It's more environmental sounds like the, the wind blowing and stuff when you're in Midgard and stuff like that. So that's kind of where the reserved, um, tone would come from i think less so than the dialogue because mimir is or freya or whoever is always talking yeah someone's always <laughs> yelling something at me man yeah. yeah didn't you want to know the story of the guy who built the wall and i'm like you know not really but yeah and uh i don't want to, i don't want to talk about some of the moments we'll save it for the spoiler section so. all right yeah 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 <laughs> all right well enjoy a little bit more music everybody we're going to come back and get into the combat So the gameplay of God of War Ragnarok is 
very, very similar to what it was like in God of War 2018, but in case you didn't play 2018, this is a close third-person camera. This is the Sony AAA camera that we're working with here, the Resident Evil 4 camera. This is a weighty game. Kratos is not very limber in this game. He moves not like a tank, but he can move, he can get around, but he is he's slow to move. Every action you have has weight to it, and the combat is deliberate. You need to think about what you're doing. You can button mash your way through the basic enemies, mm-hmm. but anything more powerful than the most basic Draugr do require a little bit of attention and strategy from you, even if it is like, you know, the axe is not great against this enemy, the blades are, pull out the blades, go to town, um, mix and match your, your, your tools to meet the situation, basically. And um, so since this gameplay is a direct continuation, did you enjoy the gameplay from 2018 and did you continue to enjoy it in Ragnarok? Yeah, a hundred percent. This yeah. is kind of where it shines. Um, Weighty is a, a really good way to describe it. Uh, things have a specific feel to them as far as the different weapons go. Uh, even blocking, as you mentioned, and it, the game does a really good job of making it necessary for you to learn those techniques. I tried going through just like dodging and using my weapons and not blocking and not trying mm-hmm. to parry. And you get to a point where like, you're probably not going to progress any further unless you lower the difficulty or learn how to, how to block. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I wish they had, I don't, I don't have a, a recollection of being wowed by the haptic feedback and I really had high expectations going into this game. I still think mm-hmm. Returnal is the best use of haptic feedback for yeah. the PlayStation 5. 100%. Um, and there's a lot that, and that proves like there is a lot you could do with it. And throwing the axe felt so good in 2018 that I was like, oh, I cannot wait to feel how it throws, how it, fe- how it feels in Ragnarok. Right. And, um, I wasn't really like, it didn't feel any different from 2018. So I was kind of a little disappointed in that, but uh, maybe it's just me, you know? Yeah. I I don't know if that's because they made this for PS4 also. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to assume it's easy to just throw in haptic feedback on the PS5 version. You know, I don't know shit about programming if anyone couldn't tell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's probably a significant amount of work to do something like that. Yeah, but but you know, I, I've gotten to this point, what are we, two years into the PS5, three years into the PS5, mm-hmm. and I I haven't played the Ratchet and Clank game. People say the haptics are good in that. It's good. It is good, yeah. Okay. Um, Astro's Playroom is a tech demo. Haptics are great in that game, though. Absolutely. Uh, Returnal is the only PS5 game I've played where I've been like, the haptics are incredible. Like, this is next-gen shit. Returnal's the only one. Um, I didn't play Horizon Forbidden West. I don't know if they do it in that. I'm trying to think of other... I didn't play The Last of Us remake. I'm trying to think of other high-profile, big Sony PS5 exclusives, you know. So, Ratchet & Clank definitely does. Uh, Miles Morales has some on the PlayStation 5 version, and that's cross-console, too. Yeah. Uh, Forbidden West did have a pretty good utilization of it. Yeah, I'm trying to think now. Now, you're... uh, 
I, I don't know. I could go check the other room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Put you on the spot. It's yeah. it's just like, you're right. Returnal set the bar pretty high yeah. and I'm still waiting for something to, to get back there. And maybe I'm just not playing the right games, but I feel like I play a lot of games. <laughs> I would <laughs> so, say Ratchet and Clank is a pretty, comes pretty close. You know, okay. it, it does cool. use the haptics really, really well. And that's probably a really cheap game right now. Uh, I have it. I would recommend it. Definitely okay. like, would recommend it. All right, I'll come by the house later. I'll pick it up. Yeah, man. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, so God of War gameplay, back to uh, the combat. I had a lot of fun with this combat too. Really uh, an improvement, I thought, over God of War 2018. Um, you get the Blades of Chaos in God of War 2018, like two-thirds of the way through the game, something like that. Mm-hmm. They never felt like they fit into my arsenal in that game unless I was fighting the frozen enemies. In this game, it felt a lot more natural to switch weapons um, based on situation or just based on like, hey, I I kind of want to switch it up, want to play with the blades for a little bit. Um, I, I can't put my finger on why. Like I didn't play 2018 to compare or something like that, but I did feel like it was really fun to switch weapons and I had a blast with the combat the whole way through. So I, I was kind of worried like, because they didn't change a ton about the combat. There's some there's some new stuff throughout the game for sure. But at its heart, it's basically the same thing. And I was kind of worried, like, am I going to get sick of this? And I didn't. Had a great time. Yeah, and it it needs to be good and entertaining because um I will say it's a lot more transparent in this how the game is set up. It came yeah, and like it's been a while since I played 2018, so like maybe I'm misremembering, but it is so apparent the pattern that you get in this game where it's like, okay, walk dialogue. Now you're going to have combat. And it's like this wash, rinse or repeat that for 35 hours. And that's Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. Um, So the combat needs to sing because you do have those instances constantly and they're telegraphed. Like, you know, when they're coming. Right. And that would get to be tiresome if it was a burden in any way. But I think the fact that you have, you know, for me, 25 hours of that cycle and I didn't tire of it. It's strictly because the gameplay is so good. The combat is so good. And uh, yeah. it never felt tedious. Like you said, it's almost like a puzzle with some of these fights too, as far as like figuring out who you're going to attack first, which weapon you're going to use and how you're going to switch and which like, you know, secondary ability or weapon you're going to use. And yeah, it's really something else. Yep. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. A little nitpick I had is that I think that I played on the, the, the regular default difficulty, and I think the average enemy that you fight is just a little bit too tanky, a little bit too much HP. A couple times where I actually like thought to myself, like, I am the god of war, I have a magical axe, and this this skeleton has just taken like 45 seconds to kill. And there were a couple times where I was like, this is a bit much, you know, and I'm... There, there's skill trees and upgrades and stuff that you can do. I'm on top of that stuff. Um, I just, some of those took a bit too long. Luckily, I didn't feel like the boss fights were like that. They felt pretty good to me. Um, I had a good time with the story bosses. There's a lot of optional bosses. Uh, like in 2018, they had the Valkyries, which I did not try to do all of. This game has their own version of that, and they are brutal. They're really hard. So I did not do those either. Yeah, I didn't go down that road. <laughs> um, so one of the other things that I was thinking about 
when I was thinking about this game before I played it and wondering what would happen was wondering Kratos or not Kratos, Atreus is older now. Are we going to get to play as Atreus? And you do. And I, then I thought, is it going to be fun to play as Atreus? And it is. I thought it was a blast to play as him because he's, Kratos is so big and weighty and tanky and Mm. like you can run with Kratos, but he doesn't run super fast. Uh, Atreus is snappy. He's, he's agile. He's, he's doing flips all over the place. And I had a, I had a really good time playing as him. Yeah. The the first time I got into combat with Atreus, I was like, oh, this dude's OP. Like, (laughs) how is this kid more powerful than Kratos? Because uh, at least with the enemies you face initially, he's taking off huge chunks of health from them. Mm -hmm. Um, And he does have a different feel to him. Absolutely. They did a good job with that. I think as far as like the skill trees go and... um, as far as upgrading Kratos and Atreus, it's obvious that like Kratos is very much still the main character. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's less attention given to Atreus in that regard. But uh, yeah. as far as how he feels in combat, it's it's cool. I, I looked forward to the next time I was able to utilize him. Yeah, um, he utilizes his bow a lot. So like playing as Kratos, you can throw the axe, but it's not. It's like a it's not quick. You have to aim Mm. the ax. You have to throw it. You have to recall it back to you before you can throw it again. Um, Atreus, you just pop, 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 shoot arrows and, um, have a good time with that. And then you can bash stuff with the bow too. So he plays different. He's a lot faster. I thought they did a good job of making them feel very different to control. And I had a good time. It would have been, uh, (laughs) it would have been a disaster if they, Gosh. Made you play as Atreus and it wasn't fun in combat, but luckily I think it is. It's a good time. Yeah. The uh, the other part, major part of gameplay is going through levels and um, doing puzzles. There are a lot of puzzles and this is something that is basically the same as 2018. There's some new puzzles in here. I don't like these. I, I was <sighs> lukewarm on them in 2018. I thought that they were okay but like I, I wasn't like getting to puzzles and being like, ah, another one. In this game, I got to puzzles and I was like, oh man, another goddamn water wheel puzzle. Or mm. another, you know, hit the three bells to open the chest puzzle. I really wish they would have figured out new stuff to do. Uh, there are new variations, like um the freezing the water spout puzzles with the water wheels. I don't remember them from 2018. Right. But I didn't like them. Really? Okay. No, I, I didn't like it. They're none of them are too hard, but I didn't have fun doing them. And the 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 brutal thing for me was they feel artificially video gamey. And it may just be wearing on me after sixty to seventy hours of doing them. But they just <laughs> right. feel very artificial to me, where like you'll have like a heartwarming conversation or like a big climactic fight against a mini boss or a boss fight, or two characters will be having a, a wonderful conversation with each other. And then it's, you know, freeze the water spout and let's, (laughs) let's redirect the water so that it, it powers the water wheel so that we can lift a platform. Um, and these contraptions just feel out of place. Uh, I finally got to the point where I was like, why are these here? Who's building these fucking things? 
for the rest of the world that feels so well realized. I'm just, I'm sick of it. Like real early in this game, I was like, please, this is, <laughs> please no. <laughs> wow. Um, I, I don't think I felt quite the same way. They, they were fine. I okay. thought they were welcome <laughs> changes to the gameplay for me. Uh, but I, I could see how, you know, it, if you're looking at it from a, a, a step back, how it's very much like, oh, okay, you're just killing time. Like you're trying to put something in my way that isn't combat, right? Yeah. Uh, to mix up gameplay. But um, I, I don't think, for me personally, I don't think it ever detracted. I did appreciate the new, I felt like it was a little more um, like 4D chess with some of them. And uh, yeah. none, none of them were like particularly difficult. But I do think that they required more thought than 2018. 2018 was pretty much like, go here, activate this switch. Now go here and activate this one. And boom, the thing opens. Mm-hmm. Uh, this had some, like, uh, you know, I struggled to call them head scratchers. But there were a few puzzles, at least, where you have to, like, kind of step back and think, okay, like, how am I going to get the water pressure where I need it to be? And um, it, it took a little bit of time to solve. So, yeah, I thought it was a, a good way to mix up the gameplay personally. But uh, I, I, I could mm-hmm. definitely see how, like, there are enough of them that I could see how yeah. it would become tedious after a while. This is um, this is something that linear AAA, maybe not just AAA, linear action RPG type games uh, do. And maybe I just, I'm thinking in my head of games that do this, where they, they separate combat story sections and then puzzle stuff. So just in Sony uncharted and the last of us do this, um, the God of war game does it too, where it's like you said earlier, you can walk into a place and be like, Oh, okay. Puzzle time now. And then after this puzzle is done, then it'll be a little bit of walk and talk and then it's combat time. And then yeah. it's walk and talk time again. Then maybe there's another puzzle. Maybe there's more combat. We'll see. And I never really got tired of the combat part of it. The puzzles really got to me. And you're right. Some of them are more complex. And there were some puzzles I'm thinking of that require a bunch of manipulation. So like you, you send the thing up here, then you swing over and then you go down, you send it up and then you go back up and you swing over again so that you can get to all the spots and get all the treasure and stuff like that. And that was like, like, I'm glad that they did kind of build those up, but I'm, I'm, I I can't lie. When I turned the corner and saw this giant puzzle contraption, I was like, ah, (laughs) ah, well, I guess we have to do this. And like you said earlier, sometimes they do take a little bit of thought. And this is, this might be the one thing this game is criticized the most for is the characters giving you hints too quickly. You get maybe 10 seconds to yourself before people start solving the puzzle for you, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were a couple of times when they would be like, Hey, why don't you try freezing the water? And I'm like, I don't know where the water is. Give me something right. more. Which like, water? Tell, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm freaking out, man. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> see, I, I, I've heard the complaint a lot about um, the puzzles and how people are constantly telling you how to solve it. it. I think their assistance was vague enough. Like you said, it's like, hey, uh, 
try freezing the water and you're like, well, where? Like, like the water's all around me. Like, what do you yeah. need? <laughs> so, um, I think it did enough to like point you in the right direction if you were struggling, but not like blatantly give you the solution to the puzzle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I've already said, I don't like the puzzles. I was not having fun with them. So when the character was like, Hey, why don't you try pushing that block up there? I was like, Oh dude, thank you. Now I can get this (laughs) puzzle over with. I can move on with my life. Um, and I, I heard the developers reasoning for this, which is that they, they play tested and the play testers got stuck on the puzzles a lot of times, too many times. And they had to figure out a way to get people moving And this is what they came up with. It it was easier for them to get the voice actors back in, record some of these helper lines than it would be to fucking redo the puzzles, you know? So that's what they came up with. It's maybe it's a, you know, a bandaid instead of a cure. But I, I, if this is the thing that's like the lightning rod for this game, that means this game's pretty damn good, I think. Right. Right. So brother, have you tried freezing the water? It's like, yeah, oh it's, God. It's like, well, yeah, this is the same brother. as the last one with yeah. the water. So I'm going to try freezing it, but I appreciate it. And then especially because they're like multiple steps, you know, you'd like do the step that he suggested to do. And then it'd be like, brother, again, like <laughs> next step, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was funny, man. Yeah. I, I, again, didn't mind. Um, uh, no, I it have didn't bother me. Lo- lots of things that I've had, you know, nits to pick. This is really not one of them for me personally. So, all right. Well then, um, some wrap up thoughts and recommendations for God of War Ragnarok. Uh, Ryan, what would you say in closing? And then who would you recommend this game to? So I would say I definitely enjoyed my time with God of War Ragnarok. Uh, we just recorded our final episode, Listoff did. And uh, this did not m- make my top five games of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. It just fell short of that. Uh, not to say it's not a phenomenal game. I had a wonderful time playing it. Uh, it just lacked something that 2018 had. I would recommend this game to anyone. You know, anyone who is a fan of these third-person action, uh, story-driven games, uh, the mm-hmm. big Sony production, right? The If you like, you know, s- cinematic video games and you enjoy like the production value that you get with you know these triple a first party sony games you'll 100 percent enjoy god of war ragnarok if you're a person who enjoys that you probably already played it at this point uh but i would recommend it to people who like a little bit of challenge uh with a strong character focus and good gameplay so yeah. that's probably a lot of people out there. <laughs> right. It's a pretty big uh, demographic there. Do you like video games right. and things that video games have in them? You'll probably like this game. But if you judge, you know, some people judge games on like trying new things. And uh, yeah. I, if, if you judge games that are like that tried and true formula, you may not like this because it is very much that tried and true formula. Yeah. And there are shakeups to the formula. There's new things. Like we said, you get to play as Atreus. He feels different to play. You're still doing the same puzzles. You're still fighting the same types of enemies though. So it is, you know, uh, it is a a continuation. So like I'm with you, um, I'm thinking back to my game of the year episode. I think this got an honorable mention. And if I were listing the games, I think there were like 12, this would have been down around number 10. So I'm, I'm kind of, 
in the same area. This is a very good game. It's very well made. It's a lot of fun to play um, most of the time. And it just falls short of what its predecessor and its expectations um, set up for it, I think. Mm -hmm. If God of War 2018 is an A, this is like a a B or B plus uh, type, a very good game. It's worth playing, um, especially if you like God of War 2018 and just haven't played this yet. It's worth playing. Like as we're recording this, Ryan, this is like maybe the tail end, but this is game of the year season for all of our podcast friends, right? Right. Everyone's doing their game of the year episode. You guys just recorded yours. And this game's everywhere on people's game of the year lists. Lots of people whose opinions that I respect have this as their favorite game from 2022. So like, just because I've levied some criticism and talked about some things that I think don't work so well for me personally, doesn't mean this game isn't really good. Uh, so I, I will freely admit that it's just this game put itself in this position to, to live up to something that I, in my opinion, was so great that, uh, the areas we, like we talked about before, um, the, the little, the criticisms stick out a little bit more in something Mm -hmm. like this, I think. Uh, so yeah, I do recommend it to everyone who liked God of War 2018. And if you didn't like God of War 2018, I don't think you should play this. Because I, I, I'm struggling to think of something that someone would like about this game that they didn't like in 2018. If you didn't think there were enough characters in 2018, yeah, maybe. This is the know. game for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I don't know, man. Good game, though, in, in summary. Yeah. What you bring up about other people saying it's their game of the year, I've heard people sing the praises about the things we've criticized. So definitely to echo Dave, like take our opinions with a grain of salt. I know you and I happen to agree on a lot of things. I'm kind of surprised. I didn't know how you yeah, me too. felt about this game. <laughs> um, so it, it it's, uh, yeah, it, it, listen to other people if you if you don't like what we're saying about it go yeah. go now just shut this off and listen to other people. <laughs> well don't shut it off listen well, to the I rest mean, of the episode yeah, i need right, you right. i need your validation everybody <laughs> i'm the worst guest ever i'm like shut off my host <laughs> show yeah, dude exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> when it's time to close down this podcast for good i'll bring you back ryan and we can close it out how's that yeah, sound sounds great man all right uh so little housekeeping before we talk about spoilers and talk about the story. Uh, Ryan, where should people go if they want to find List Off? Uh, anywhere you get your podcast, just look for List Off Podcast with Brian and Ryan. Uh, we do have a link tree. I think that'll stick around. Mm-hmm. Uh, our Discord will remain active. Um, if you want to join there, we have a pretty healthy Discord chat, especially when it comes to like Marvel Snap. Maybe not yeah. by the time this airs, but who knows? <laughs> um and uh, our Twitter account is now my personal Twitter, and our Instagram is now our uh, my personal Instagram. So deal okay. with it. <laughs> all right, awesome. Yeah, everyone can check down in the show notes for links uh, to all things list off. But um, if you don't want to wait, just go type a list off in the search bar while you're listening to me talk about tales from the backlog, and you'll find it. Got a rocket ship in the uh, cover art with Brian and Ryan. Good stuff. Um, so for Tales from the Backlog, it's the the regular stuff. Um, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review um, about the podcast. It's really helpful for indie shows. And um, I also have a Discord server full of cool people talking about video games 
and everything else going on uh, in their lives. Very supportive and awesome community. We would love to have you. Um, There's a Patreon page for the show if you want to support monetarily, and I appreciate everyone who does, but everyone who doesn't, I still love them too. I also do another podcast, continuing the tradition of doing lists called a Top 3 Podcast, where we do top threes every episode of all kinds of different topics. So if that sounds like a good time, you can find that down in the show notes as well. So Ryan and I are going to take a break, and when we come back, it's spoiler time for God of War Ragnarok. Ryan and I are back, and it's time for spoilers for God of War Ragnarok. Time to talk about the story, the revelations, and the themes um, of the game. So we kind of set up the beginning part when Thor and Odin go to the house. Um, Freya is uh, chasing them whenever she gets the chance, uh, very vengeful. Uh, I thought that version of Freya was like scary. She became like a a pretty compelling villain for the first like, you know, until you go make peace with her and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Right. Yeah. yeah. She was fierce. Yeah, very fierce. Um you definitely get the sense that they just want to get away from her, right? They don't yeah. want to confront her. Uh which lends to like her uh in, her, like her imposingness, you know. Yeah. Did you did you get the feeling this this is a feeling I got when you do go make amends with Freya and help her out, she's very like, when this is over, I'm going to kill you like that. She's like, I need your help. I'm going to kill you when this is over. Uh, And there's no way you're going to talk your way out of this. And then when it's over, she snaps into friendly joking Freya, I think a little bit too quickly. I would have liked for like another couple missions at least for her to still not trust you. Uh, mm. I, th- I feel like that switch from her hating Kratos with every being, every fiber of her being to joking around with him happened a little bit too quickly. Well, that's interesting. I mean, she doesn't say like when you do make amends, she, I, I, maybe I'm not remembering correctly, but I remember it being more of like, I haven't made my mind up yet. Right? During the mission. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I th- I feel like you do a lot. Of, I felt like you do some long missions with her before mm-hmm. she makes that turn. So maybe that's why uh, I had inferred that there was like a passage of time there. And there's a lot of conversation that takes place between the two. Yeah, uh, I always felt like Freya's motivation for hating Kratos was kind of wishy-washy uh, since she played such a large role in what happened to her son. Um, yeah. So I could see once like the veil of anger goes away, her having like some self-reflection and maybe that led to the transition occurring a little quicker, you know, as far as her feelings towards Kratos. Um, yeah. 
But this is yeah. all stuff that I came up with in my head canon. It's not right. stuff that they convey in the game. Hey, know. what I you know what I did to bring the conversation about was stuff in my head. So yeah. that yeah. that's all we got the stuff in our heads, Ryan. <laughs> so, um, it, it for me like like you're right. She she went from I'm going to kill you the next time I see you to I'm not sure you know what I'm going to do when this is over to then she makes the I, what I I guess what I want to say is she makes the decision that she's not going to kill Kratos and then immediately goes to we're friends now. Right, right. Where I would have liked a little bit more of her being like, "Hey, I decided I'm not going to kill you, but I do not trust you. Mm-hmm. Like we're not friends." I think that happened a little bit too quickly. I mean, I see and it's interesting cuz I sensed it as more of like a mutual respect than a friendship. Mm-hmm. Uh but, you know, it, um, it could be read either way, right? Definitely from Kratos. You can tell mm-hmm. throughout all of that that Kratos respects her and her power, I think, throughout that whole thing. Uh, he's he's very much like, I, I'm going to help you uh, to make amends for what I did. And you can tell that Kratos does fear her a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that Kratos truly fears anybody, but she's as close as it get he she he seems to fear her more than odin and thor right i think right um i love the conversation that they had when kratos brings up his daughter from from the oh, old yeah. games yeah when she she makes some kind of comment where she's like you would never know what it's like to lose a child and kratos um to my knowledge didn't bring it up in the old game with um with atreus Right. Never no, talked about. I don't think his he's, daughter. Yeah, I don't think he's talked about it aside from like those early games where it was the driving right. point. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. So it was interesting to hear that callback too. I was like, oh damn, like that's cool. Mm-hmm. They didn't forget those older games. No, yeah. they didn't forget it, and he didn't forget it. Um. It was a nice little reminder that like Kratos doesn't often let you in, mm-hmm. but that's still in there. Uh. So that was that was a cool little character moment and. Uh, one of many really good Kratos character moments uh, in this game, I think. Yeah. Another one I thought was really great. Did you do the side quest with the jellyfish in the desert? No. Okay. (laughs) The jellyfish in the desert. Yeah. So there is a side quest where you end up freeing a couple of ghost jellyfish. They look like, you know, um, the jellyfish in Elden Ring, except. Right. I was like, wait a bit. This sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah, Very familiar. Um, And, it's not a super remarkable quest in what you're doing. You're doing you're doing the puzzles where you have to throw your axe through the three things before they close up, you know, a bunch of those puzzles. But at the end, uh, Atreus kind of makes a comment to Kratos where he's like, we have other important things. Um, you know, Ragnarok is coming, all of that stuff. Why are you here doing this? Why did you take the time to free these creatures? You didn't have to do this. And you could ask that of any video game protagonist, why they're doing side quests, right? And uh, Kratos just says, without a bunch of like, you know, ceremony or anything, he just says, I just wanted to spend more time with you because Kratos has the specter of Ragnarok coming and all this uncertainty, I think, is weighing on him a little bit. And he just, you know, just straight up says like, you know, this is a chance to to spend some time with you without... you know, fighting a God or whatever. And I wanted to take that chance. I thought it was a really sweet uh, moment. Yeah. That's really cool, man. Yeah. Um, before we get too far away from the beginning of the game, uh, yeah. that first fight with Thor, 
was oh, really yeah. cool. And it did the, like a little bit of like fourth wall breaking with the moment where Kratos dies, right? Oh, yeah. And you feel like you failed a quick time event. Um, and then it's, it's scripted and Thor, or Thor like yeah. comes back and revives you. And I thought, man, that is, that was like, for, for it to happen so early in the game, I was like, oh, I can't wait to see what other stuff they come up with. And like mm-hmm. nothing, nothing else. They don't come up with anything else that like replicates that moment at all throughout the whole not game. Until, not until the very end, I don't think. But yeah, that, that boss fight was great. It's yeah. one of the things I love about the whole series of God of War is the spectacle in the boss fights. I remember fighting the Hydra right. in the first game. Those are really cool moments. And so like that fight with Thor feels like you're fighting a god more so mm-hmm. than fighting Baldur at the beginning of 2018. And that was a huge spectacle. It's super fucking cheesy, but when the uh, the axe hits the hammer oh, cool, and the, the lightning bolt freezes, I was like, yeah. oh, 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 and then you see it for great. the rest of the game. You yeah, see it's always it there. like traversing. Yeah, man. yeah, super cool. Yeah, yeah, really awesome. Um, and then you don't fight Thor again for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I thought that this was going to be like I'm going to fight Thor like four or five times throughout the game. I thought that was going to happen. Like he'd and be the instead, menace, right? Instead, Thor is gone for a lot of the game until you're playing as Atreus. And when he accompanies Atreus, you're not fighting against him, but you're fighting with him. And I thought that was really cool, too. There was some tension there, too, though, where, like, you're fighting with him, but you're like, oh, is this guy going to snap? Like, you know, as Mm -hmm. when you're Atreus, you're like, I killed his son. And he's very aware of that fact. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. They did such a good job with Thor, I think, uh, throughout the game making it apparent that he was mourning like it was interesting yeah. you know uh they easily could have made him just this like mean-spirited like menace to kratos and atreus and like you said had four fights throughout the game or whatever but they went a completely different route and really made him a, a human mm-hmm. character yeah yeah i i also got a really distinct feeling from thor and from heimdall also that they fear odin Yes. And that the reason that Thor didn't snap on Atreus is because he knows that if he does, Odin is going to destroy him mm-hmm. in the most painful way possible. Uh, uh, so I thought that was really good. Like you said, the the characterization of Odin took a little bit of time to catch on uh, mm-hmm. for us and us to warm up to that characterization of Odin as... Um, I've heard him described as like a, a mob boss in a, in a mafia movie. And I think that's pretty apt. Yeah, I would say it's like that quiet, um, like, un, like the, unseeming, like not not a threat until it's yeah. apparent that like he's the biggest threat in the room all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's cool. It's a cool, um, a cool dynamic they they created with those characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I guess one of the big like storylines throughout the game is that Atreus is now curious about his role as Loki. Kratos is kind of in denial that Atreus needs to play a big part in Ragnarok to come. Like what he's he's pretty dismissive of the prophecies that you know put both of them right in the center of the action uh, for a while and this yada 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 leads to Atreus running off. Um he he sees a prophecy of kratos dying 
And so it sets up a couple of like questions that are going to linger throughout the, um, the rest of the game. Number one, is Kratos going to die? And number two, what role do they have? Or, you know, if Kratos dies, what role does Loki have in the rest of the story? Like, are these prophecies going to come true? Or if not, what is going to be the truth Mm -hmm. basically? So I spent a good portion of this game until we talked off air. Both of us had the fact that Kratos survives spoiled for us, which we're both like, you know, pretty shit move to just (laughs) uh, share that in a, a public space, not a God of War Ragnarok spoilers space. But until you had that spoiled, did you think Kratos was going to die? I mean, I thought it definitely was a possibility. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think the most interesting thing is that, uh, you know, there's comparisons that inevitably to uh, The Last of Us, right? Especially with like God of War 2018 and this. And leading up to this game, a lot of people were like, I guess spoilers for a game we're not talking about. (laughs) Um, Don't spoil The Last of Us Part 2, please. Okay. Uh, (laughs) But it would have felt definitely genuine in the context of this story if – like if Kratos had died, it was the yeah. a, a main idea in this game, right? And um, I just couldn't help but think like I was struggling with the idea of whether or not they were actually going to do it. And, you know, having you play as Atreus was a big part of that belief that like maybe this is a transition game mm-hmm. to like the new character. And yeah, it was pretty, pretty shitty to have that like taken away prior to me reaching that point because I was at a point – when when it was spoiled to me, like he had just visited the Norns, which was one of the coolest moments of the game, I think, for me personally. Yeah. And like that's a big part of the conversation there is this prophecy. And like the Norns really seem to have Kratos's number in the interaction with them. Um mm-hmm. so like I was almost dead set on the fact it would have happened. And uh it would have been cool to have that realization organically right <laughs> like yeah, yes it would have been real cool to figure that out for myself <laughs> it, it would have been nice and you're right i also thought that it was a definite possibility and maybe even a probability in my mind that kratos was going to die uh, because i i didn't pay attention to i don't pay attention to long-term plans for these franchises mm-hmm. i have no idea what sony's plans are for god of war for the rest of the games, uh, especially, I don't know if they want to finally let Kratos die and move on with a new God of War, or I don't know if they're going to move to a different, you know, pantheon of gods for him to go up against in future installments. I don't pay attention to that stuff. So I was very much like, yeah, it is possible that he dies and that mm. we have a new protagonist uh, for future games. And then it was spoiled for me uh, pretty quickly after that, I might add that he is alive when the final trophy pops at the end of the game. So maybe listeners, if you're listening and you didn't get this spoiled for you, let me know. What did you think? Like, was this a mystery for you throughout the game? Did you think that it was a possibility right up to the end? Or did you, was it one of those things where it's like, they're teasing this, but pretty clear they're not going to do it because both of us had that opportunity taken away from us. Um, I like to be all high and mighty and say that like, oh, you know, if you get something spoiled, it doesn't take away from the impact. And that's true. Sometimes this was not one of those times though. 
absolutely agree with you. This was not one of those times. Uh, yeah. <laughs> plus, like, it, it's silly to think that, like, they couldn't get away with it. Like, they could have a successful franchise without Kratos, I think. You know, yeah. um, like, the developers know what they're doing. If the game's yeah. good, people will buy it and play it, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, I, yeah, I was, I bought into the possibility of it happening big time. Yeah. The next game is just going to feature Atreus. He's like, He's like 30 years old. He's, he's fucking ripped now and he's Mohawk, just destroyed. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he's, it's like the first God of war game that all of the, like the levity and everything is gone. It's just yeah. a, you know, total dude fest. Just like but, pounding grog. And like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But no. Um, so anyway, I got to talk about these characters in the middle part of the game and like the middle section before we kind of get to, the big revelations with these themes that they were talking about. So when I say MCU and MCU influence, there were a bunch of characters that I didn't want to spoil in the non-spoiler part that came up. And I was like, yep, that's an MCU character. Uh, this one. So anger Boda, the teenage girl giant, it's a cliche, but like most Marvel movies now have a teenage girl in there who is uh, a little bit too well adjusted for what's going on in their life. Anger Boda is that, I, I, she's been living by herself after all of her people were killed except for her evil aunt. And she's fine. She's very well adjusted uh, person. Mm-hmm. Um, the talking squirrel who I found very annoying. I recently found out it's voiced by uh Sungwon Cho, who is a uh, yeah. pro ZD uh, for YouTube uh, people. Mm-hmm. I love him. I'm happy he got work. Did not like the talking squirrel. Very annoying to me. There's a dwarf with a Southern accent. Oh yeah. That is just grating. This is another uh, big voice actor too. Is um, it? Yeah, is God, fucking I Dolly remember. Parton or something like. No, 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 no. <laughs> God, I don't want to misspeak. Um, let me let me look it up real quick because uh, I want to say it's like Ashley Birch. Is it? Yeah, uh, like someone of that like like that tier of that, voice yeah, actor level. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's Milana Milana Vaynytrub. So the AT and T commercial girl. Oh, okay. Vaynytrub. Couldn't yeah. tell you. Yeah, Milana Vaynytrub, uh, or however you pronounce it. But you know who she is, right? She was like gonna be the uh, fabulous Squirrel Girl. There was like an MCU pilot she filmed. She's been in movies and stuff too. But huh. she's like the AT and T commercial girl. Um, yeah, that one. I have no idea, but look, I'm happy that she got work. And that she got paid. I hate this character. Are you happy? <laughs> I, I'm happy for her as a person. Yes, I am. Uh, truly happy when voice actors get work. But I could not stand that character. Uh, Heimdall could not stand him. That's the point, I think, though. Yes, but like, he he was to a point where I was like, is this the same game? Like, there are people like this in this game. Just the most sarcastic person you could ever think of where none of the other main characters gods are like this. Well, that's interesting. It it didn't feel believable to me. It felt like, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I see Heimdall as like who Atreus, like the type of person Atreus could have become like based off of, you know, a few of the choices that he made in 2018 and the route he was headed down before he Uh checked himself. Like I could see him becoming like a Heimdall, like that ultra annoying, cocky, Cocky, like douche bag. Uh (laughs) And uh, so that's interesting. (laughs) Like uh, you had a different reading of that too. 
uh, I'll be honest, like at this point in the game, I was fully on the, like this game's tone does not work for me Mm -hmm. path. So when I get to Heimdall, who is like the embodiment of how this game's tone is different from the, the previous game, I was like, not only fuck this guy because he's a mean character and he's, you know, making fun of Atreus, but also fuck this like direction of this character. I don't like this, but I, I do, I do acknowledge that like they did make him to be the character that you hate, that when he does die, you're like, yes, you're dead now, you piece of shit. So this is the part that I was kind of alluding to in the non-spoiler section where I'm like, they try to make it appear as though there's going to be some way around certain things. Like there was Mm -hmm. no avoiding killing Heimdall. Like, I'm sorry. They were trying yeah. to act like they could get away with without killing him. And it's like, no, dude, the second Kratos runs into this little, like, pencil neck who starts, like, yeah. pulling attitude with him, like, this guy's dead. There's, that's like, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. And this was a, um, a storyline that I, I really liked, um, how Kratos is starting to, like, look inward and he, he doesn't want to be the god killer. He wants to find a way to get through this whole situation without being the the slayer of gods, basically. Right. And Heimdall is in the way to everything that he wants to accomplish. There's, like you said, there was no way he could get past killing Heimdall, regardless of what his intentions were. It was just never going to happen. And the fact that after he kills Heimdall, would a fun boss fight, um, yeah. satisfying to just, you know, beat him into paste at the end of it. Kratos is like, I can't escape this. This is this is who I am. This this identity as the god killer. There's nothing I can do. And he, you can see it in his face after it happens. He's like, man, I, I, I can't get away from this. This is this is who I am. Um, but at the same time whether that was his first God that he killed or his hundredth, which it's the latter, there was no way that he was going to not kill Heimdall. Right. Yeah. There's no yeah. way the story proceeds without that happening. Yeah. And like, this is things felt gosh, shallow, I guess. Cause like you have that moment with the Norns and I'm going to, I'm going back to it because I, I really thought like the whole journey down to like their layer under the water was so cool. And then the time you're there and they, like I said, they have Kratos's number. They're like, no dude, like you are this God killer. And I think that co- whole conversation with them where they're like mimicking him and mocking him. And you mm-hmm. know, the three of them all kind of have this different role of like, seeing the future and they even explain it like we don't see the future we just know the outcomes based off of like who people are Mm -hmm. um and you could see he's determined to like shirk that for that period of time in the story up in between that and when he does kill heimdall and yeah yeah, it's like such good voice acting but motion capture acting too yeah he he physically deflates yeah. When he kills Heimdall, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, he's just like, oh, like shit. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't can't get away. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. That that scene uh with them when they're they're mocking him, they're telling it's he's like in a like a fun house, basically. Like yeah. it's, it's, like it's one of the only t- yeah. yeah, exactly. One of the only times you see Kratos ever off guard and not in control of whatever situation he's in, even when Thor and Odin are in his house at the beginning of the game. 
you always got the sense that like Kratos is going to figure this out. But in that scene with the Norns, it was like Kratos has no power here at all. Right. Just totally out of his element. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So let's see, I talked about, oh, dude, did you catch, um, how long has it been since you watched The Mask? Uh, it's the been Jim a while. Movie. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm familiar with the movie. It's been a while now. I just it's watched it last a- night. Yeah. My weekly watch of The Mask. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Somebody stopped a, me. Seriously. What a life, what a life that would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. In that movie, that was The Mask of Loki that Jim Carrey found in the, the story of that movie, which I, I didn't know this. I, I read it, but that was pretty funny. And so like, there's, there's a long time in this game where you're trying to pick up pieces of this mask. And I just kept thinking like, is this, this is the mask. Like Jim Carrey finds this mask like 4,000 years in the future. <laughs> right. And then this, this God of war Ragnarok, it's a, it's a prequel to the mask with Jim Carrey. It looks identical to it, which is kind of funny. I'm sure that was intentional, right? Like, uh, but either way, it's a it's definitely a prequel confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> so back to the um, the storyline with Kratos. I think after Kratos kills Heimdall, he he's very much like, you know, he has his moment where he's like, I can't I can't get out. Now I want to be out of the entire thing. Basically, after the the big twist uh, happens, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how Kratos deals with like these disappointments and these like setbacks that he has on like this kind of personal journey he was trying to go on. Yeah, anything? I guess anything before that big twist that you want to touch on um, before the twist with Odin? I do think the point where he gets the um, gosh, what's the spear called? The uh... Drop near, drop near spear. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. Yeah, Um, (laughs) was super cool. Like the whole moment where they're like talking about drop near, and like they go down below their home, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Brock and Sindri uh, go down to get drop near, and it's just this like pile of rings because it just replicates. They did such a good job visually showing you like what this thing does, what it's capable Mm -hmm. of, and then the moment where you get to the Lady of the Lake, and. you know, she makes the spear for you. Like it's, it's doesn't really, it's not a huge part. It's just beautifully told visually. It told. is. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I remember being like really mesmerized by that moment. Uh, and then, you know, you get the whole reveal about Brock and everything too, that he's not like, he's not whole. Right. That was a good moment. And what, what I think makes this, it's similar to the Norns, right? It's another moment where could Kratos kill that, lady of the lake or whatever, like, yeah, pretty easily, I bet. But I love the moments where Kratos is, uh, like reverent of mm-hmm. who he's dealing with. And, um, and Brock is too, for once Brock is like, 
to actually like be on your best behavior here. And he's actually yeah. on his best behavior too. And yeah. um, I think that plays into that scene uh, being as cool as it is. Uh, aside from like meeting a magical creature who makes you a magical spear and stuff like that. Um, what did you think of the revelation and then the, uh, the upcoming um, result that Brock is not whole? Uh, that he he died, he was brought back to life, and the process of bringing him back to life left him without a soul, for lack of a better term. So, like, he's on his last life, basically. Right, like the new Puss in Boots movie, basically. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's exactly like the new Puss in Boots movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's weird. When it came up, I'm like, oh, that's, you know, that's a funny thing to bring up. Are we going to like have a mission where we make Brock whole again? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I wasn't sure why they highlighted it. Because it was highlighted in the dialogue between uh, Sindri and Atreus. And then, you know, I thought I thought Brock's realization of it was kind of odd. Like the Lady of the Lake ignored him. And he instantly was like, oh, wait, no, I died. And I don't have a complete soul. That's why she ignored me. And it's like, man... Seems like a bit of a jump there, Brock. Yeah. But, uh, like, yeah, that's actually the truth somehow, but good for you. Um, so then, you know, obviously it becomes apparent why they almost forced this into the story, uh, because it, they just wanted to make, uh, Brock's death more sad, I guess, have more emotional weight. And I, I don't know if it necessarily did. Yeah. He's the only character of the main group that dies as far yeah. as I can remember. Well, um, even kind of like the extended group, right? No, no. Uh, there's that guy who they kind of leave it open-ended who jumps off the airship. Right. Right. And then there's Freyer at the end at the end. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. basically, yeah, but yes, this is the most meaningful one supposed to be the most meaningful one. Right. And they set that up because uh, they set that up by bringing up ahead of time the fact that there's no bringing Brock back because this is a world and a mythology where if someone dies, you can bring them back. There mm -hmm. are ways to do it. Not sure why they couldn't have brought uh, Kratos' wife back. I forget her name. Right. Um, but uh, Deborah Wool. Deborah Ann Wall. Not in not, oh, in not the, the act. That's, oh, okay. the, that's the voice actor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I forget oh, her I name in the game. Karen uh, from Daredevil. Yeah. 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 That's right. She married Kratos after the show got canceled. <laughs> Faye. That's her name. Her name is Faye. Faye. Um, so not sure why they couldn't have brought Faye back, but whatever. Let's, we don't need to dwell on that. So I guess before we move on, what did you think of the sections with Faye? Because uh, you don't see her in the previous game. This is the first time you see her face. Right. Very cool transition to those scenes. Um, I, I feel like they added, they were additive in, in my mind. They weren't quite as impactful as I think the intention was uh, for me personally. But it did add to something we kind of already had an understanding of, uh, like Kratos's inability to have emotion in Atreus's early age and mm -hmm. his, uh, reluctantness to like be that father. And, uh, and I guess it added some extra context as to why, but, um, I, I just didn't feel like they were that necessary. Yeah, they were okay. And yeah. I didn't mind it. Like in 2018, Faye is She's a mystery, basically. You don't mm -hmm. really know much about her other than 
she somehow calmed Kratos down um, a little bit. But that's that's all you really know about her. And then at the end, you find out a bunch of stuff about her that she's actually like, you know, she's a giant. She's magical in some way. Now in this game, that mystery is gone. So I felt like they felt like they could put her in the game and have her talk to Kratos and kind of continue the mystique of her as this like incredible woman, basically. And those scenes were they they were fine. You know, even if there was one, and I was like, yeah. They, they last a couple minutes. It's not like you're stuck in them for hours or something. Really cool transitions to those scenes because it is all still one shot. Yeah. And uh, I think it it did add to this whole idea of prophecy. Like Kratos was – because she was there, because he's having these dreams about her, It's uh, it just drills home the point that he's really struggling with the fact that like she had a prophecy regarding him dying, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so because yeah. the mural yeah. that Atreus found was painted by by her, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So on to the kind of the big twist and what like the inciting event for kind of like the downhill uh, to the end. And this is where I thought that the story like had started to pick up before this with Kratos killing Heimdall and stuff. Mm-hmm. But and actually, I uh, this was such a big moment in the story that I didn't even write it in the notes when it's revealed that Tyr uh, is not Tyr, it's Odin. Mm -hmm. And it has been Odin the entire time. And I, for one, never saw this coming. This was a shock to me. Absolutely. Going into this scene, I'm like, man, why is Brock being such a dick to Tyr? Yeah. I'm like, dude, what's your problem, Brock? Like, slow down. Like, is this is this what like his soul, like his missing soul coming into play? (laughs) And then it was like, then it was like, what the fuck just happened? Like, hold on. Yeah. Like, wait a minute. And it ends up like he knew something. Nobody else did. And man, it was, it. this was a good reveal. Like this yeah. was one where, you know, it's late in the game when this happens. And uh, I was like, damn, do I have to go back and replay this now to like, see if I could pick up on it? <laughs> you know, there are a lot of moments throughout the story when the characters think that they're, getting one over Odin in their planning, right? Right. They think like uh, Odin has no idea about this when Mm -hmm. Odin is the all father. He knows everything that's going on. And it, maybe it's on me for not picking up on foreshadowing ever. I'm always surprised by twists in everything that I watch or play. But even though this is like well within his powers to do something like this, Never saw it coming. And when it happened, I was shocked. Dude, I'm rarely surprised by twists. Like I okay. watch <laughs> I watch and experience media with like while like actively trying to figure things out. And like okay. I can usually pick up on like nuances and twists and stuff like that. Um for whatever reason, I missed this completely. Didn't see it coming. Uh and nice. it didn't yet when it and I think that's the fine line. Like they did it so well that when it occurred it was like you started thinking about everything up to that point, and you were like, "Oh crap, like this makes sense uh and it's tough to have a twist so large yet s- still have those signs that like he was Odin, yeah, but not make it like in your face or evident enough that people would pick up on it like really, yeah. that was done extremely well, yeah, and we haven't talked about tear at all up until this point, but his 
characterization through the game of the God of war who is done with war. He's seen too much, done too much. Um, and his imprisonment by Odin, uh, along with that, it's kind of made him this broken man who refuses to fight. And now that you know that that was Odin the whole time, it makes sense that he doesn't want to go kill Odin's soldiers or take mm-hmm. up arms against Odin because he is Odin. So you're right. It is a fine line. And they they do have kind of a an easy explanation for it in that Odin is the most powerful being in this entire like universe here, this entire pantheon. Uh, but that being said, it, it didn't feel cheap to me at all. It felt mm-hmm. like this is exactly what Odin would do if his if he knew his enemies were plotting against him. This is what he can do. He can impersonate people, and this would be the smart thing to do to get in there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it just it kind of filled you with a bit of hopelessness too, because mm-hmm. you were believing in their plan right like up to that going into that scene they thought they had the edge yep they had just killed heimdall the whole yeah the whole plan was to get to asgard with like odin having no clue they were coming right and it was like oh man you guys got that so wrong Mm -hmm. yeah it's crushing it's cool it's cool yeah it's a good feeling (laughs) yeah i i like i liked being surprised um and this was Actually, a little bit before this, uh, when they started to dig back into Kratos's identity and trying to buck his, um, you know, his his destiny as you know the killer of gods, I started to get back into the story then. And then from this point on, it's like straight downhill mm-hmm. to the end. Um, great Best times. part of the game, like yeah, hands down. This is this is the reason you play Ragnarok is for these yeah. last like five hours. Yep. I was going to say first two hours, last five hours, a plus, mm-hmm. like this is what I wanted. And then the rest of it, varying <laughs> degrees of success. But like we said, there's a lot of cool stuff in the meantime, just a little, little pacing, little unfocused, you know, but now we're in the good shit. Yeah. So I didn't write this down. Frankly, it's not super important to me how they get to Asgard in the end. Oh, they get, they go and get the, uh, the Ragnarok, uh, monster, which they do like, the fight. Oh no, yeah. no, yeah. No, they do. You're right. You're right. They get, um, the fire giant. Um, right. They have a, a fight that they, it felt like it was straight out of the guardians of the galaxy video game. You know, the fight in like the, the starry cosmic area. Oh, that was so dope though, dude. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Visually cool. Um, I complained about the MCU shit, but I, I can't lie. After you fight, there's some Valkyries that come in. After yeah. you fight them and you pose with Kratos and I Atreus know. as the bear, if they pose for the camera, I was like, that's pretty fucking cool. Like, I'm not a monster. I was like, that's cool. Right? It reminded <laughs> me. It's funny you say Guardians of the Galaxy. It reminded me of that moment, you know, at, towards the end of Guardians of the Galaxy where you get a mm-hmm. similar shot where, like, it's a pose and you're like – meant to take that screenshot right yep. and i yeah. did i yeah. took that screenshot <laughs> oh yeah hell yeah so for all for all the whinging i did about mcu stuff that was cool we yeah. we did we also didn't discuss how uh loki's a shapeshifter and he that comes oh, into yeah. play in his combat and that was cool i thought that mm-hmm. was pretty neat yeah that was another cool moment at the beginning when kratos yes. keeps loki from killing uh freya when he was in bear form mm-hmm. and that was really cool not to mention when you're Kratos and you're like hunting this bear and you yeah. don't know it's Loki and you fight the bear and like it dissolves into Loki. That was a cool little reveal. 
Yeah, that yeah, was cool. And yeah. Kratos, yeah, another one where Kratos is like, what, what did I just kill my son? Like, right, right. Yeah. So going into um, Asgard for the battle, this is the promise that AAA video games give you is like this set piece of the battle at Asgard, going through all of these combat arenas and just seeing all the things with the battle happening off in the distance. I remember playing this and being like, this is the coolest thing I've seen in a video game in a long time. And mm. this is why I buy AAA video games. Cause I, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. Like hair standing up, like I'm in it. This, this charging into battle at, at, at the walls, climbing the walls, all of that stuff. So good. Yeah. Get you pumped for sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you bring up, You've brought up uh, some of the MCU aspects. This negative. This is what I like in the MCU movies too. Huge comic book fan. Like when the mm -hmm. characters are flying in and out, and like you're following one of them, but like all these other characters are flying in and out of scene and saying like a piece or you know de helping devise a plan and then going off into the battle, and you see them like in the distance fighting other things. And yeah, it was huge. This was like awe inspiring, man. And yeah. um. The whole time, I'm just like, I'm mashing those buttons like it's going to help me hit harder. You know, like it's it's that kind of investment in the action that this just yeah. draws you into. It was, it's just the coolest shit. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. And for someone who like spends a lot of energy and time thinking critically about the video games I play, this was a moment when, while I was playing, when it was just pure enjoyment, like fun fun mm -hmm. is at level 11 right now like this is this is so cool and like it, it's hard to describe visually but like you said there's characters flying in all over the place you'll maybe you'll get into a grapple with some enemy and like one of the friendly characters will fly in and knock them off and say like you owe me one they'll fly off and go mm -hmm. and do something else you look out in the distance the world serpent is like fighting out there fighting thor right yeah it's yeah cool. the, the spectacle is so crazy it's so cool the camera um, pans were really good yeah like, like yeah. i got the distinct feeling they put a lot of effort into this set piece here and i think they nailed it yeah absolutely agree with you um very i can't think of another thing that, that does the scope as well as this final battle like as far as yeah. like you feel like you're in a war you feel like you're in this like not just a war like a war between gods and uh it's yeah. cool. Actually, you know, you know what does this kind of scope in this kind of these kind of scenes are the old God of War games on the yeah. PlayStation 2. <laughs> right. This is what they did, but with the capabilities of the PS2. Mm -hmm. And this scene felt like going through those um, you know, buildings when there's a battle happening in the original God of War game. Uh well, you see things out the window happening outside you see big monsters you see titans and stuff like that right. this is that but with the power of the ps5 ps4 yeah. also but yeah great stuff yeah you didn't um, you played on a ps5 right yeah i did okay. yeah 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 this was uh just crazy i have i have nothing but praise for this um <laughs> can you imagine how a ps4 sounded like playing oh, this God. game <laughs> yeah get those you got to get those noise canceling headphones going i'm sure yeah yeah um but you know, from what I've heard, the PS4 version runs fine. But yeah, this this is the kind of thing that you want the PS5 for. 
for sure. Mm-hmm. So in the story during this part, um, Thor's daughter, who we haven't talked about a whole lot, uh, she switches sides. She joins our team um, because Thor and uh, Odin are, well, mostly Odin. Uh, Odin very clearly like loses all pretense of caring about his family here. He's just on like self-preservation mode, basically. So then now we get into like the Thor boss fight and then we fight Odin. And this is kind of like our boss rush at the end of the game. Um, And I thought that fighting Thor while Kratos and Thor are kind of like talking about their situations and Kratos is trying to convince Thor uh, that Odin doesn't care about him and Odin will sacrifice him, uh, basically. Not just him, his loved ones too. Like he's right, saying, everyone. Like, yeah, yeah, everybody. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and then um, that's what happens. Uh, so <laughs> unfortunately, there's you. You kind of win. You you get to Thor a little bit, and he starts to doubt Odin, and Odin kills him. And yeah. it's um, it was a pretty like not shocking moment to me, but still like Thor and Odin, they're a team, uh, throughout the whole game, throughout the mythology. And to see Odin, this is the moment where he's like, nope, nothing else matters and I'm going to prove it. Um, so he kills Thor and now you have to fight Odin. That was a big moment leading into a boss fight, little extra motivation to take him out. What'd you think of the Thor boss fight at the end? of? The I thought game? it was fun. I thought that like the first one was Same. fun. Fighting yeah. against him is fun. He feels like, um, he feels like fighting against yourself, but a little bit more powerful in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah, I can see that. I really appreciated the Thor fight. I thought um I honestly didn't know if we were going to have an Odin fight. Uh I thought yeah. Thor could possibly be the final battle. I could see I could have seen Odin getting taken down in like a cutscene kind of thing or Odin like weaseling his way out somehow, right. Correct. And escaping and then the next game is trying to hunt down Odin or something like that. Exactly. I um, I did think uh, Thor's redemption, in a way, I guess you could call it, it felt earned and it, it had weight to it. Um, I know we've kind of talked about like the MCU dialogue. This this wasn't that. Like this was heavy. This all it, was heavy from yeah, here this on was, out. This was the new God of War. This yeah. wasn't the 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 quippy MCU. And right. this this whole section didn't really have that, um, except for a few one liners. Oh, from during characters the during fight. the battle, you know, yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. There were there were a few lines during the actual Odin fight too that were like, "Oh God." <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought that Odin fight was pretty fun too. Absolutely, and I liked how well, as you might expect, Odin fights very differently from Thor. Thor is very uh, in your face, aggressive, and Odin fights with a lot of ranged stuff. Like you, you spend a lot of time avoiding his ranged attacks and just trying to get close to him basically Mm -hmm. yeah and a lot of it is like choosing the right weapon to attack with um Mm -hmm. the team up that occurs at the end of the odin fight was that like guardians of the galaxy-esque kind of action as well and uh, it was really cool it was it was similar to the end of god of war 2018 right like when you when you take balder down and it's uh kratos and atreus and they're just like Really, all you're doing is pushing a button, yeah. but the what's playing out on screen is just this like insanely choreographed like double takedown of Balder, right? And this yeah. time you get it with like three characters going to town on Odin, and man, it uh-huh. feels 
so good. Like they make yeah. him such a menace at this point in the game that like, oh man, it was very cathartic. Uh, yeah. Being able to pummel him. <laughs> this is cool that like throughout the game, all the characters that are from this world, everyone who's not Kratos and Atreus basically is like, Odin is a bad, terrible, evil, sinister being. You cannot trust him. He will, he will do anything to um, protect himself. And throughout the game, Odin is a little bit confrontational with Kratos sometimes, but a lot of times he, he's very reserved. He's friendly to Atreus when he's mm -hmm. trying to win him over to his side. And it's only at the end when you really see like who he, tr who he truly is. And so that boss fight is um, cathartic in that way. Cause you're like, Oh, this is, <laughs> we got to take him down. Like the, he cannot continue. He's got to go. You know, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. You like finally see the threat for what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So you don't actually kill him. You th there's been this storyline of Atreus with the giants' marbles, um, the marbles that hold the souls of the giants who um, had died. Uh, it's a it's a storyline with Angerboda throughout the game. He has one. He puts Odin's soul into it. And uh, Sindri takes it and smashes it, which probably kills Odin, but who knows? They, they don't really, right. yeah, who knows? Um, I'm sure that if they wanted to bring Odin back, they could think of a way that, you he know, escaped. it you didn't freed kill his him. Soul. His, yeah. his soul went out into the air, you know, right, something right. like that. Exactly. This kind of like heel turn for Sindri was a little bit weird, I think, after Brock died. Like, obviously he feels a lot of pain because Brock got killed, but he is, I, I just, maybe I just didn't think that he had that level of anger and spite in him. He seemed like such a right. friendly character, you know, like, like a, not a bad bone in his body type of character up, up until then. Yeah. It's a, it's a drastic shift. I mean, he goes from being like a germaphobe to like wallowing in blood, basically. Yeah. Like the next time you see him, he looks like he hasn't taken a bath in 20 years, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is a, a very drastic turn and I can see how that kind of makes you question it a little bit, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe because it was so drastic, but, uh, you know, Brock dying happened super suddenly. So maybe. You know, we don't have the luxury of him slowly breaking bad, you know? Right. So, right. I don't We're, know. Next uh, God of War is uh, Sindri's the antagonist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, just this is the ending of God of War Ragnarok. Angerboda shows Kratos and Atreus one last uh, giant's mural, which is the real prophecy, their real destiny uh, that, again, Faye knew and had hidden from them. Um however you feel about that, the, the fact that they're like, actually one more giant's mural that yeah, we didn't yeah. tell you about. Right. But what's on the mural was, was very cool uh, to me earlier in the game. There was a quote from Odin talking to Kratos. Odin is saying like, I, I'm a God. I have, I have followers. People worship me as people worship gods. You are nothing no one worships you like basically saying like, yeah, you're a God, but to what end? No right. one's going to remember you. All you do is destroy. You have no followers whatsoever. Right. 
which I thought was a sick burn at the time. Same. I was, like he says, like no one's like loved you, like yeah. no one's like revered you, and I was like, oh damn, got him. Like yeah, it's, it's true. <laughs> Again, good uh, good writing. They're capable of it in yeah. this game. It does happen. Now at the end, you see in this giant's mural there is a um, a small part of it where people are worshiping uh, Kratos. Um, either it's him or I think it's a statue of him that mm-hmm. people are bowed uh, in front of. And that was um, a really cool moment uh, for me as Kratos has continued his like personal growth throughout this story too. Now he sees as happy an ending as Kratos could possibly have. I think it, yeah. now he's concerned about things like this and, you know, I don't want to be the God killer anymore. Whatever that means for the future of him as a God, I'm not sure, but maybe he's not sure, but to see that like there is like that, that he has worth and that he has a legacy that people are going to celebrate uh, means a lot to him. Very apparently again, acting, facial capture, all right. of that really great here. It's almost like it proves that he could have a, an existence outside of that God killer, which was like, the, right. the, you know, we talked about, it. it's a big struggle for the whole game. Uh, what you didn't see is they're all actually holding um, dual sense, dual shot controllers, because it's just, uh, <laughs> they're revering the God of war as a place, as a PlayStation game. <laughs> it's the truth of it all. <laughs> Uh, I don't it's know if you're lying us. or not. No, because yeah, I could be telling the truth because this game does some shitty things with fourth wall breaking that don't yeah. belong in a God of War title. I um I had forgotten about that, and yeah. I'm not sure I would want to even talk about it anyway. All but right. wh- yeah, we'll leave it. Oh. Well, no, we can we can talk about it because I I read some of the like stories, and I was like, that's Uncharted. Yeah, and I was lame. like, "That's really fucking stupid, right?" It takes you out, it takes you yeah. right out. Yeah, I don't want to make judgments on other people, so I will just say I was not clapping my hands and excited to see uh, the plot of Horizon Zero Dawn laid out in a lore scroll that you find in this game. Right, and I, I've also seen the clips where like Mamir talks about Kratos appearing in Mortal Kombat, right? Huh. Or he talks about like his time at the PlayStation All Stars, mm-hmm. right? Which is like, it's fine. Like, it, it, I don't know. It's a nod to like things that came before. But like, oh man, I'm I'm I I don't get like real bent out of shape about video games or like creative choices in video games because like I'm not the creator, right? I didn't put in the work, right. but like. This is a trend I see happening with PlayStation games, and I don't think I like mm-hmm. it. Like all of no. them nodding to each other, and like it's yeah, like it's this club that yeah. yeah, yeah, and and it takes you out of the game that you're playing, and I don't think it belongs. So I'm gonna have my opinion on it, whether or not you agree. No, I, I totally agree. I got taken out of this game and into my own thoughts and uh, like critiques a little bit too often for my liking. Those were really dumb. Like I, I can't mm-hmm. overstate how disappointed I was to see that. To open it up and read about the legendary treasure hunter, who is very obviously Nathan Drake. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just to, to end on a good note, I think we didn't talk about the bar fight, which was a pretty cool scene. That was cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't. Man, I am like, I am like Ron Burgundy 
with these notes. If it's not in my notes, I will not bring it up on the podcast. Um, no, I so. didn't bring it up either. You know, we went through the whole story and I didn't bring it up, but I think it deserves a mention because it is a standout part of the game. It was a really cool scene, a hundred percent. I enjoyed that a lot. I enjoyed the fight against the giant wolf. That was a cool boss fight. You didn't? I didn't. It's like, it's funny. In my notes, this is the one boss fight I didn't <laughs> like was Garm. I enjoyed the second part of the Garm fight. Not the first part. I thought that okay. first part was just like ridiculous. It it felt that storyline felt like a little bit too Deus Ex Machina because I what we didn't say about the ending is that um, Asgard is being destroyed and the reason that they're able to get out is because they had magically transported the soul of their dead wolf that dies in the opening moments of the game very sad um, into Garm into a knife which then they're able to transport into Garm so that he could make a portal for them to escape Asgard as it's all going down. Now you might be able to see why we say it gets a little muddied in the middle here, <laughs> right? Yeah. The culm- this is the culmination of a lot of quests. Yeah. I thought the uh the part where you're fighting against the giant was really cool. That like, was visually super cool, cool dude. Yeah. yeah. I thought the boss fights in this game were good. Really that first part of the Garm fight is the only one I didn't necessarily enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um but other than that, I think the boss fights were like extremely well done throughout the yeah. game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And um those those optional boss fights too. I think they're pretty well made. They're just too hard for me. I I think that I want to have a little confidence in myself and say that if I applied myself for, you know, a weekend or a week, I could beat them all. I'm not going to do it though. It's not my idea of fun or how I want to spend time with this game. I'm doing ch- I didn't do the Valkyries either in 2018. It's just just not what I'm into. Um, I have heard these are harder than the Valkyries, though, from people who did do them all. I'm good. I'm yeah, out. Me too. <laughs> yeah, me too. So, yeah, any other just quick, you know, rapid fire, fun moments, boss no, fights? No, I think we did a good job. We hit all the ones I wanted to talk about. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fun. Um, uh, one last moment that I thought was really cool, um, even in the middle section when I'm, I'm pretty wishy-washy on how I feel about the game in general, um, when... You wake up the two wolves that were sleeping in Alfheim, I think, and you shoot the arrow into the sky and the wolf chases it. Valheim? Yeah, I think so. I get my realms mixed up. I'm lucky I live in a place that only has one realm. Um, So, (laughs) Yeah, same. uh, That was cool. Uh, The the visual spectacles, I think, were really good uh, throughout. Yeah, absolutely. I guess just one last question before we um, call it quits. I find it hard to believe that this is the last God of War game. So is there something else that you wish from the series? Do you want them to move on? Do you want them to stay in the Norse mythology? Well, I think there definitely is more God of War coming one way or the other. I think they have a unique opportunity to do kind of a Spider-Man and Miles Morales thing because Mm. it's apparent at the end of the game that Atreus is staying within the Norse mythology that he has unfinished business there. Right. So I don't know. They could do that with DLC or make it its own, like kind of smaller title, like miles Morales esque. Um, whereas with Kratos, it's, you know, he says he's going to help the people there as well. Uh, but the doors are open for him. 
He could yeah. go wherever he wants, and it would be cool to see him like venture into other uh, mythologies for sure. Yeah, yeah. Is there a particular mythology that you think would be cool to see brought to life in the way that Sony can do? I mean, they do a good job with the pantheons they've dealt with so far, but uh, I think every, the easy one's Egypt, right? Like that's the go-to is Egypt. I think that's mm-hmm. like the one that makes the most sense. Um, yeah, I think uh, it would be cool to see him fight Jesus, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you fight the apostles and then the final boss of right. Jesus? Hell yeah. I'm into that. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Uh no, I don't know. Uh, really, Egypt's the the one that comes to mind, but uh, given more time, I'm sure I could come up with a few others. Yeah. I wonder how that would play in this day and age to have uh, Kratos go basically kill non-white people um, oh, and their good gods. Point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not point. sure that that would be a decision that Sony would take lightly if that's the decision they, you know, the pantheon they do choose to go Absolutely, after next. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's lots of uh, stuff out there. What if Kratos went to Japan? <laughs> um, right. Uh, there's right. there's lots of mythology out there that's that's unexplored. The one thing that, um, the one thing that I do think is that I personally am over the Norse mythology in media for a while. Yeah, um, I think there's been a saturation of it. Ready, sure. ready to, and it's not all Sony's fault, but I'm ready to move on. Um, and I, I think I think you're right. There could be an Atreus, Miles Morales type game pretty easily because uh, he just leaves at the end. He says he's going to go help the remaining giants in the marbles. Mm-hmm. No one knows what that means. So the door is open for them. Kratos's story in this game wraps up super nicely. So they could go in any direction they want. Man, you bring up a really good point with like, you know, Kratos going to Egypt and taking on... um people of color, like, yeah, I agree. I think that would be a really poor decision now that you bring it up. But then it also raises the question, like, what pantheons, he's, he would have to, it would have to be a Western pantheon then. Yeah. Like, and yeah. we've already, we've already done Greek. Um, right. And the Romans, Romans are the similar. same as the Greek. It's too yeah. similar. Yeah, exactly. We've done Norse. We could do Celtic, I get, you know, yeah. but like the, also the a pagans. lot of similarities to Norse. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking of the gods that look the coolest and would be the most interesting. Like the, the Hindu gods would right. be really cool right. to see Absolutely. brought to life. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, uh, I'm trying to think like, uh, maybe American gods, the Neil Gaiman. Book. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> that would be, uh, I'd watch that. Yeah. Kratos is, Kratos is on a road trip through the flyover States and he stops at the world's biggest ball of yarn. And that's right. That yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, it, but the only certainty, like you said, is that there will be more God of War. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm pretty excited to see where the story goes. Uh, Ryan, thanks so much for coming on the show, um, taking over two hours out of your time. We are still an hour and a half short of our previous podcast together, Ooh, look at but that. Uh, it's time to call it um, here. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know that uh, by the time this episode comes out, Listhoff has ended. I really, really appreciate you uh, continuing to come on and podcast and um, I will be going back and listening to the old list off episodes because I really, really enjoy um, what you and Brian did there. So hey, thank thanks, you so man. much, man. Thank you, Dave. Honestly, thank you so much for having me. It was a good time for sure. And another big game, another big title. Yeah, another big one. Um, you are the go- you're the game of the year contender guy. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, I know um, you guys have uh, have called it quits at list off, but I told you this before and I it will not change. You have an open invitation um, to come back on anytime and, and do a game with me. Thanks. So Thanks, yeah, man. thank you everybody for listening. Uh, we appreciate you very much. If you um, want to talk with us about how uh, we feel about the story of God of War Ragnarok or anything else that we talked about in the non-spoiler part, uh, feel free to join the Tales from the Backlog Discord server and chat with us. Um, also the List Off Discord server. Lots of ways to share how you feel. Um, I'm open to conversation about this because there's a lot of things that I um, took issue with that I know not everyone did. And then there's a lot of stuff that I think is really fucking cool and I want to talk about it again. So come in, come chat, come hang out. Uh, We'd love to have you. But I appreciate everybody listening. Tune in next week for the next game that comes out of the backlog. The world that hardens is a harsher winter hold. The parent forced to eat its young before it grows Every bird gone unheard Starving where the ground is froze The winter sunrise red on white Like blood upon the snow